Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. I speak to Arthur this time from Squid, who knows how to tune harpsichords, something he was taught how to do by his dad, and he spent some years doing that as a job. 
he tells me about how Squid kind of took over from those jobs that he was doing following school. He had a period of time working at the Tate Modern as part of an art performance and goes into working with Dan Kerry, who you'll know as one of the most exciting producers at the moment. Squid's new single, Sludge, has just got a new video made for it, so you can go and listen to that. And I strongly advise going back to, if you haven't already, listening to their Town Center EP. They've kind of got this amalgamation of post-punk and kind of orchestral something. It's quite wry and fast, and he plays cello in the band, so that gives you some idea into what the band might sound like. But thank you so much for listening, and this is 101 Part-Time Jobs with Arthur from Squid. I mean, you just released Sludge the other day. How are you finding the the feedback? I mean, when did you record that? How long well, ago? We recorded Sludge really like, it feels like a week ago or two, but I think it was just over a month. And the feedback, I'm actually not too sure. I try not to involve myself too much with the feedback in the comments section or in the press because... It's my much prefer to let things take their own course. I can't, there's nothing I can do about it once it's released. So I love the track, I love the artwork, and I'm really happy about how it's all gone. But yeah, I, I, I don't really know, to be honest. That must be a nice feeling, having recorded something a month ago and then having it in within, within you know, three or four weeks. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy. Like, even on Dan's speedy Wonderground scale, it's still really, really quick. I think even he was shocked at the turnaround from it being like finished recording to actually all the masters approved. I think it was something like three or four days since like, we we, like, we pressed stop on wow. the record and then the masters were back and it had been improved. And he's a busy guy. He is busy. I mean, he's busy just quick, you know, he likes things to be quick, but I think we and the record label wanted it to be even quicker than it could have been possibly been. Everyone had to be uh, as, as fast as possible, really. I love on his website, his mission plan, where um, the, the one line that stood out for me was just like, no lunch breaks. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I love that. I'm not sure I love it. <laughs> I think it's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's... No, no. I think actually the no lunch break is a really good policy in general, like, I feel like I was just saying the other day, actually, the days when you're working so well and so much that you forget to have lunch or you don't worry about the food that you need to have are really good days. And then you pop out later on when you're finished and have some food. They're really good. But what I would say is um, I need coffee break. So I take myself out of the studio every like two or three hours to get coffee. And that is like something which I cannot do without because it's just I need to reset myself with because because the ideal is that you're always on a roll but that's never going to fucking happen no but i think there's certain stimulus you need to keep that going and that is speed to keep working to always have something to do and also to always have energy so have a good night's sleep and have a coffee and you'll be much better stead than if you 
uh, weren't, you know, weren't like weren't prepared and weren't like ready with your eyes open and your brain open. Is Dan your guy? Would you say? Dan is like he's our yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's like he's more than a producer because he's a friend and um, we share so much that it goes way beyond the confines of his studio. So we, but when we get there, it's serious. It's amazing, and it's like it's really a dream. Like I remember being in there recording Sludge, like for and the B side, which is coming out soon, um, for the three days, and just thinking how lucky I felt to be in that studio with all the equipment and the time and the producer, and it just, I just, it was amazing to feel like how privileged we are to do it. Before you went into the studio with with Dan. Did it yeah. sound much different in a practice room? Definitely sounded different. I think it sounded um, it sounded slower. I think it sounded less less sure of itself. And one thing, and and really tried to uh, draw out of our songs was a greater sense of urgency, and uh, and highest higher speed and intensity to the music, which it wanted anyway. This podcast is about. Um people's part-time jobs aside from being in the band and as I have done um you know ask ask PR people and see see if there are any good stories about and Sinead kindly said that you were a harpsichord tuner with your dad yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how did that uh, talk talk me through that so for as long as I can well for as long as I've been alive my dad has been a early keyboard instrument tuner so mainly harpsichords but uh chamber organs um forte pianos other things um he tunes them for orchestras and hires them to people and he taught me how to do it once over an hour or so session and then that was when I was like 19 or 20 and then after that sent me out and I've been turning up at various locations around Europe um, tuning people's instruments. Someone taught him how to tune harpsichords and harpsichords live among the world of early music, Baroque, Renaissance, early classical uh, we're talking Bach, um, Handel, Mozart, and he taught me how to tune a harpsichord. And it only it gave me a, gave me like a day's lesson, and then sent me out to um, various people's instruments to tune. And I've just been learning on the job for the past five years or so. Wow. So did did you ask him to to give you a lesson? No, like he always he said for like ever since I was little he'd always say you know if you wanted to if you wanted to do this you could um, and I think part of me that that was the the side of me that was didn't really want to be associated with it I didn't see it as something which would actually make me money I thought how could you possibly make a living out of that it can't be enough work for me and you you know it can't be something I should I'm not. I'm definitely not a business minded. I'm good at finding jobs, but I'm not very good at making or keeping money. So I wasn't, I didn't say, yeah, let's do it. Come on. But once I did do it, it was fantastic because just 
as the skill developed and as I got better at tuning over the years, got more confident and could take on different jobs for different people. Did you ever have a nine to five job? So I've actually never, I've never had a nine to five. I have in a period after sixth form worked like for, for work almost like between five and seven days a week for different jobs. That was three mm. different jobs, but I never had nine to five for one uh, business. And what were those three jobs? The first was a, uh, so I, my sixth form was Camden School for Girls sixth form in North London. Mm. And the head of music offered me a job as a music technician, winding cables and tidying practice rooms. So I did that for a year after I left left the sixth one, which was great. Uh, such a good uh, team. He actually left the head of music while I was doing that job, but he but the, the the subsequent heads and all the teachers there were really great and became friends. The Second job was a call centre, which I kind of could do whenever I wanted and it paid a bit, added a bit more money to my wage, uh, like uh, calling up people, trying to sell, um, uh, get people to donate money to charities, uh, charity fundraiser on the phone. Mm. And the third was I worked for the Tate Modern as a participant in a performance art piece which is definitely the most standout job I've ever had it was about 150 of us maybe 100 and the artist got commissioned to make a piece for the Unilever series which was the series that happened in the turbine hall and you know do you remember the sun um yeah slides all these things they were part of the Unilever project it's now the high and die project but Tino Segal was the artist and he was a performance artist, choreographer and studied um, choreography and economics, I think. And our roles were to follow his orders. That he'd give us orders like move in certain formations, swarm like a bee, um, chase each other around the room and all these weird formations and patterns were happening while we were approaching visitors and telling them personal stories about ourselves. And the whole idea of the project was about um, interaction between us as individuals and as like an organism and the visitors who came to see us, not really knowing whether we were kind of who was involved in it and who wasn't because we were all wearing normal clothes. Wow! Weird. <laughs> so, were those formations practiced? Some, yeah, it, largely because he gave us a rule, and we in rehearsals before the the, the piece went live. Um, he'd say, "Well, you're not quite got the idea yet." It wasn't choreographed to the point where we knew exactly where we were going to be standing, but we knew how the games we called them because they were pretty much like games, you know, like. Yeah. Find two people in the room and make an isosceles triangle with them. So you're the top of an isosceles triangle. They're always moving, so you're always moving. And it creates this swarming motion, which is amazing to look at because you don't quite know what's going on unless you're involved in the game. Did Did you have an interest in performative art before that? Absolutely not, no. My friend um, just said you should get involved because she'd been invited by her partner who was a dancer. And 
there were lots of dancers involved in it and I was just really really lucky to have known the person who knew a person and I just went and had an interview and they they, need, they needed more people so that was it very very lucky but really like really amazing time like all throughout summer it was really really good did that change your perspective of what could make you money I don't think it changed my perspective of what could make me money I think it definitely made me realize that I was stupid in the first instance to ever not go for this position because she told me once and she said Arthur you should really get involved in this and I said yeah sure sounds all right Mm. and then forgot about it for a month and then this was like a few weeks before it was going to go live she then emailed me and says Arthur they still need people what why haven't you applied yet I thought, okay, yeah. go on then. I emailed them and I asked for an interview. And then I got the job and it was incredible. And I thought, wow, I was really close to not getting this. So I think I definitely, like, it, it showed me not to be so blasé about opportunities like that. And I definitely, I, since then, I've taken a lot of jobs on, which I wasn't sure about or didn't know whether we were going to go be quite what I needed because you don't know when the next opportunity will come. During during school, during, sort of, I guess, late teenage years, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be, what you wanted to do? Wait, how old are we talking, like? Six, 16, 17. So when it becomes more realistic, like, you know, you're leaving school in two years. I don't, the problem was, no one really ever explained to me how to make money out of music. And I don't, I'm not, I don't regret that. I don't regret that. I think it's I think it's cool because I was just mainly excited by the prospect of having a band, making music, studying it and just living it as much as possible. And like again, like I was lucky like to have the the family support to allow me to do that. You know, um I didn't have to go into work straight away. Um mm. so I could um explore a bit but um no I didn't I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do because I didn't know what could make money I, I I didn't know how you make money as a band it just seemed to me like I would never make that much so it didn't matter you know yeah I, I guess privileged in a way but also naive definitely naive when you get offered to play a gig when you get that email more often than not you feel oh brilliant me you know you you feel lucky um ha- has that has that changed has that swayed with squid I think the, the 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 defining thing for me was that I had the work outside of the band as a tuner for orchestras. And from there, I could see how the world within the classical and Baroque spheres operated. And I could see the respect and real like duty you had to pay people and turn up and work together really well. Uh, and be honest about money and you know I guess because they had so much more of it in the classical and uh, I don't know whether they had more but when we started making music as a band and performing I didn't feel lucky to have payment I felt unlucky that it was so hard to get payment sometimes and people just would not not pay you and leave you in the cold and just not reply when you ask for payments and just be such a hassle about it but the own that wasn't what made me what drove me to make more music. It was what drove us was just the need to get to play more, to do more. Um, I, my job actually at the beginning of us playing gigs was I was the whip cracker. I'd be the one who'd um, ask who'd ask all the uh, uh, difficult questions to promoters like where's the where's our payment and how come you're only playing us ten pounds when there's two hundred people in it. Did you did you have much advice from I don't know family or other friends that were in bands perhaps? Um, 
I wish I had. And I think I've tried to give some to others who may have, who have asked for it or would want it. Um, I definitely had a skewed idea about it. I think like, as I was a student, we just did things for free, got other people to pay for free and played for next to nothing, just kind of shared drink money and stuff like that. And Right. didn't ask for advice from anyone and I think as and this is all this is all in the early stages of playing as a band as time goes on you you realize that you need advice and it is really important and you have to look for it in the right place and there have been people who've been really 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 important for that kind of advice like money advice later on but earlier on it didn't seem like the biggest need the need was to, you know, be able to put on the night, be able to do it again. So you need to cover your costs. But we were students, so we didn't concern ourselves until afterwards with how we're going to keep afloat. Who were those mentors of yours? Or well, who are they? We've ha- our, our managers are really the people who've taken us through the industry and allowed us to follow them and follow their lead and and helped us through it. I, I wouldn't say that really anybody came and said, you know, to make this a living, you must do this. You must really, because like it was actually, it wasn't until we sat down with some lawyers, which someone said, you know, t-shirts is where it's really, really at. <laughs> and that really took, took it until then for that to happen. Um, that came out of the lawyers' mouths. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I mean, but that's that's okay because I'm, it's not it's not like like it's I not keep, a bad thing. It's quite, I, keep, I keep saying it's not it's not uh, and it's lucky that we don't we didn't we weren't pressed to sell t-shirts loads of them early on because we were still finding our feet and working other jobs and it wasn't the pressure wasn't on yet. It definitely is now, and we definitely know where it's come from now. We it's been the blind leading the blind up until now, really up until up until the last year to to readjust the balance of how to um, make sure you're really taking in enough money to keep you on the road and um, taking the right sort of jobs, working with the right sort of people. There's so many things to consider. We don't want to work for scumbags. We don't want to work for evil businesses, but we also want to keep ourselves doing this and allow us to record and Eat, eat enough and on tour and sleep enough on tour so there's so many things in the balance um yeah but again like I say like I think sleep and um food is like and and drink as well is, is, a, is a real priority when you're on tour because without that at the early stages you're gonna I think make make a mistake at some point in in, in what sense because what in in the way that you'd uh you'd be happy with it with a slab of beer over 50 quid yeah I think I think yeah like getting a nice night's sleep having some drinks socializing and getting a good show out of it is is really important for me um and I think those are the questions which you're gonna ask yourself a lot um, and then if you've got if you've got a business minded head on and you can then make the te- make the money outside of that that's really great that's really good after leaving sussex i was a teacher in two schools i taught cello so cello is my main instrument and i taught that first i, I did a, i did a year in two different music schools first was for a local or musical authorities in brighton and then that didn't end so well because i couldn't didn't have the time to 
I, well, I, was, I, I worked so hard and f- for not so much money and then I got started getting so many offers to go away and do shows outside of London that I couldn't balance it. So I went moved to London and I worked for um, another music school in London for a year. That was a fantastic school called Colour Strings, music, private music school, like, like teaching cello. And that was brilliant. But again, by about March or April into the academic year, stuff with Squid was taking such a turn that I really hadn't expected, like going to all the different countries in America and thinking, oh my God, I actually can't turn down these opportunities, so I have to leave my teaching job. So I had to let somebody down really, really hard. Had you become... um... Had you become a fairly astute teacher in your in your own mind? Had, were you enjoying it? I learned. I, I had to learn so much. Uh, I I, lo- I loved it. I always walked into a lesson with some some element of fear because of the um, energy and concentration required to teach these kids um, and 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 skill. But I, whenever I left a day of teaching, I felt so good because they were amazing pupils and amazing kids, and it really rewarded me a lot. We, did, did, you, did you have a, any good teachers when you were younger? Was, was there somewhere you could sort of place that in your mind? Who you, you know, the kind of character that you'd want to be to these kids? I think the main thing I wanted to be was, my, was myself. I didn't want to put on a front and be someone that I wasn't. I wanted it, I wanted them to progress as much as possible, obviously, but not necessarily in the way that I was shown how to progress. I wanted them to progress with um, really um it's hard to put it really I I guess without fear of failure yeah I think the big thing I think I I really didn't want them to fear failure I wanted them to make mistakes and try things and not concern themselves I think that's what my what what the best teachers I've had have done to me is there a parallel to that in the way that you think of squid as in being not very not afraid to make mistakes and really kind of throwing it to the wind definitely um you don't there's, there's there can be no such thing as wrong notes just only like a good time to play them and a good way of playing them and you can make all sorts of horrible things sound great so yeah and all sorts of ways of manners of playing styles and things being brought into it so you know it's it's there's definitely definitely a crossover with that um unfortunately underlying everything is hours and hours and hours of really hard work so you've got to have a balance of the two you know you've got to play things right like a hundred times to then have the freedom to play things however you want them Go on, give us a review. Five stars, Gaff. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 